Blog Talk Radio. Hi there, welcome to Teach Me to Talk. I'm Laura Mize, pediatric speech language pathologist from TeachMeToTalk.com and MyEI2.com, and we have a great show today. But before we move on to that, I want to talk about a couple of articles that I've posted on Teach Me to Talk's Facebook page, and it's actually TeachMeToTalk.com on Facebook if you're looking for that and are having a hard time finding it. I know people have told me that before, that they haven't been able to find it. You've got to add that .com on the end. Uh, Today I posted an article that's from NeuronetLearning.com, and the title is Action Imitation Predicts Language Development in Children, and boy, do we know that to be true. I have a whole book about that (laughs) called Building Verbal Imitation in Toddlers. And if you are not convinced of the power of teaching a child how to imitate through play and then move that on to gestures and then move that on to simple, easy vocalizations so that they can imitate and progressively move toward words and then finally toward phrases and sentences, you need to get that book. It will walk you through that process And I've gotten so much good feedback about that particular project. And today when I posted the article and and said, I love it when research supports what we know, several people were nice enough to say, you know, I believe in that and that they had used the manual in their own practices and even with their own children and the great results that they've gotten. So if you have not taken a look at that and you don't know how to apply that theory You can check that book out at teachmetotalk.com, and again, it's Building Verbal Imitation in Toddlers. Okay, the next article that I want to talk about is, um, let's see, I posted it on June 13th, and it's the importance of using iPads in moderation within the speech therapy setting, and it's by a speech pathologist. I actually posted it from Lauren Ender's page, who's a great speech pathologist who's an AAC specialist. She did a repost from this guy, and his name is, I can't see his whole name on the screen, but it's Eric, and he's a school speech pathologist. And he wrote just a great blog post about working with first graders, and he came up with this idea to use this basketball game app on his iPad. And one day, one of the little first graders said to him, hey, Eric, how about we go shoot real basketballs in the gym (laughs) instead of working with the iPad? And I think the target sound was SH. So they were were doing a game of shoot. And he said that was so uh, monumental for him for a kid to ask to do a real-life activity. So I love his perspective on that and how he said that So many of us have begun to over-rely on devices. And, again, I think his personal examples here and that just really poignant moment that he had, when that aha moment in therapy when he thought, gosh, I really could do this better with a real-life activity rather than using it on the iPad. So if you haven't taken a look at that article, please do. It's posted, again, on teachmetotalk.com Facebook page. Other things that I've posted there, I found a new great resource, and this guy's name is Bill Nathan, and he is an autism guy. I think he's a behavioral analyst. I don't think he's a speech pathologist. 
But I love, love, love his Facebook page, and it's called Autism Discussion Page. And he links it, all, all of the articles that he links are back to his website. And I think, let me see if I can figure out what his website name is. It's, it's a great name. It's something like Fragile System or something like that. It's not readily available on his Facebook page. I wish I, wish I would have found it to start with. Um, but anyway, check that out on Facebook. It's Autism Discussion Page, and he just has fabulous information and great, great, great strategies uh, for therapists, for parents. And really, I think lots of his information is more applicable to older children than we who work in early intervention see. But again, you will learn something every single time he posts. And I, right now I'm in the process of videoing um, my day one of my conference, Early Speech Language Development, Taking Theory to the Floor, and I have added so much of uh, Mr. Nason's information because it is so relevant to what we do, especially with uh, social skill development. He talks about how uh, eye contact can't really be forced. It has to be invited, and I love, love, love that quote. I'm going to use it now forever because I think it's so true. And, again, he just has tons and tons and tons of resources. So I want to be sure to direct your attention to that page. All right. Our guest is here. Sharika, are you there? I am. Yes. Can you hear me well? I can. I'm so glad you made it. That gave me – that was perfect timing because I got through all of the announcements that I wanted to share. Okay, goody. I all want to right. say happy birthday. Oh, you're so sweet. Thank you for saying that. It is my birthday. I'm 47 today. Uh, and Sharika and I are Facebook friends, so that's how she knew that. And that was so sweet what you wrote to me. That was almost made me cry when I read that this morning. So thank you so much. All right. I asked Sharika to be on the show today to talk about AAC. And for those of you who are not speech pathologists, that means augmentative alternative communication and I called Sharika a couple of weeks ago and picked her brain because I have a little guy on my caseload that I really needed help with and she yeah. shared such wonderful ideas that I asked her to be on the show today and talk about some of those because they are activities that she's used that have really worked and it's not some academic theory <laughs> it's real ideas that have been successful with the real children. So we're going to talk about those today. And I really do want to be able to get your feedback, Sharika, for the little guy that I'm working with that have needed uh, help with. So I want to give a little bit of history so that our listeners will be all caught up with, um, with him so they'll know what I'm talking about when I ask you those um, specific ideas. Okay. Sure. Okay, my little guy is now five, and that is really old for me. For you long-time listeners of the show, you'll know that I really specialize in birth to three, but I do see some kids beyond three, four, and five. But five is super old for me. But this is a little guy that I saw when he was in early intervention. I saw him from about the time he was 18 months old until about the time he was almost two and a half, then he had some really huge family changes, and I had some big scheduling changes because that's the time when I started 
really speaking all over the country. And so scheduling was huge, and he needed a therapist that could be there every week, and that was just not working with his particular family situation. So mom and I parted ways. So I I have clips of Andrew working with him as as that little 18-month-old and two-year-old in my conference. And if you've ever been to hear me, you'll recognize the name and the the story, the background. But Andrew had a really, really rough start. He had a bowel obstruction and a heart defect. So he had a couple of different surgeries within his first three days of life. He had a stroke while he was having one of those surgeries. He also was diagnosed with cerebral palsy, also possible autism from his neurologist. So lots and lots going on with that little guy. Uh, He was not ever supposed to be able to walk, but at about four and a half, his wonderful physical therapist did achieve that very unlikely goal for him, so he is ambulatory now. And he saw a couple of different speech pathologists privately between the time that I saw him and then now. Um, They didn't make a ton of progress, and again, I'm not slamming them at all because he's a hard, hard, hard kid. And the things that we um, decided to really work on with him is language or speech really isn't um, a realistic goal for him. So we started really looking at AAC. And, again, his grandmother, how he started to see me again is his grandmother wrote me this really sweet letter. And she said she drove by my office every day for a year trying to get up the courage to come in and talk to me or call me, and she just decided that she would write a letter. And so it really tugged at my heartstrings, and so I thought, okay, even though he's five, I'm going to try to see him again. We'll see what we can get going. And she shared that his Medicaid has been discontinued because uh, the two therapists weren't able to show any progress, and she really needed someone to take a, a you know, second, third, fourth, fifth hard look at what we could do for this little guy to get communication going beyond verbal speech. So here we are. He was doing a Big Mac switch a little bit when I left him as a two-year-old and really had not progressed beyond that. His school speech pathologist did use a Big Mac switch in therapy with him and in his preschool classroom to request more, but they didn't really, um, according to the parental report, get far beyond that. So when I started with him, we started with a Big Mac switch, just requesting single items, and just something there made me think, I, I think he can discriminate between two Big Mac switches. Let's just see what's going on. So I, I used something he loves versus something he hates, because in my mind, that's the way to always determine if a child is really discriminating with symbols or with pictures. And he loves butterscotch pudding, and he hates goldfish crackers. So that's what we did, and, and he got it immediately. He he knew that. He understood it. There was no doubt in my mind that he was discriminating. So I thought, ah, oh, we have something we can work with here. <laughs> and so that's where we started in April, and now we've just been expanding our use of those Big Mac switches And doing what I know to do with that, and AAC is not my area of expertise at all. (laughs) We have wonderful uh, people who do specialize in that in my area. So I was usually able to refer out for those kids, and they would either see those people or those 
specialist would really coach a parent in me when they were in early intervention. So I don't have that resource anymore since Andrew was five, and this is where Sharika came in <laughs> because you were kind enough to have that long conversation with me and give me some great ideas for him, and they are working well. They were great, great, great ideas. And so we're doing some different things with that. And so, Sharika, what do you think? Do you First of all, I want you to talk about that great resource that you directed me to, uh, and I've just been spending lots and lots of time on that website, the, the Practical yeah. AAC. Yeah, the Practical AAC. PracticalAAC.org, and that's mm-hmm. practical with two A's, actually, so it can spell AAC in the middle. So P-R-A-A-C-T-I-C-A-L-A-A-C.org, and they yeah. have been a real source of information for me because I was, I mean, I was like most therapists, a struggling AAC therapist wondering, you know, where do I go from here? What do I do with right. these children? So, and it's an area that I kind of was pushed into because we have no AAC per- persons in my country. So I was kind of thrown into it because I work in a school with children with some really complex communication needs. So they right. need to have a voice. And that's what AAC does. AAC gives children a voice. Exactly. When they're not able to, to communicate with others. So right, I and let's remind that. everyone. Let's. I'm sorry, Sharika. Let's remind everyone. You've been on the show before, but if they missed your yep. premiere episode, you tell us where you live and and you've already. Yeah, I'm in Right in yes. the Caribbean. In the Caribbean. I'm still going to. I'm going to come see you one day. I promise. I, I am. am I'm going to. <laughs> I can't wait. That would be so much fun. So much fun. Yes, that would be great. You, okay, but you don't have. How, and there aren't very many speech pathologists even in your country, right? There's a no, handful of you guys. Right, and so you had to really take on that role and teach yourself the AAC stuff. I got very yeah. little information about that in grad school, and I'm older than you, of course, and we got yeah. very little information then in the late 80s, early 90s, then I think some folks now come out of school with a better uh, background with that. But I had absolutely no um, no formal education about that, and everything I've gotten has had to be the hard way. And so it sounds yeah. like you had that same experience. Yeah, I had that same experience because I think I had um, probably one course that was just a real overview of AAC and how devices were used to help people to communicate, but I didn't really get any in-depth knowledge on that. So after I came out and I was faced with all of these children that, I mean, would still benefit from devices, I went to the Internet, and that's where I found most of my information from Practical AAC. They were really, really good. And Dr. Zangari, Dr. Carol Zangari, she has mm-hmm. been a really good source to go to. She's, she and some other and another lady, they run the site. But right. she has been a great source of information. And then as I was tweeting with her and, and talking to her, she asked me to blog about my, my journey in AAC. And I'm a guest blogger for them every every month, talking about my journey and my struggles, usually, a lot of cases. And what I've been learning. I love to always read your article, Sharika, because it's so evident that you actually work with children. 
And so many times, even when we're reading bloggers, sometimes I really think that the posts are so academic that I I wonder, gosh, does she really see kids? You know, what would she do if I put this wild two-year-old who was in my office this morning, what would she do with a kid like that? And it is so apparent to me every time I read anything you've written that you really work and that you really (laughs) see kids. Oh, yes, I definitely do. Yeah, because you talk about the realistic things that happen a lot of times it's not always what we think is going to happen. I mean, a lot yeah, of therapy is really problem-solving as we go. And when you think one solution should work or one technique or one strategy should work and then it doesn't work, you've got to kind of think on your feet to think, how can I do this better? What will make this more engaging for this child? How can I make this more functional? And I think all of your articles that I've read um, on uh, practical AAC and then on your own blog really speak to that down and dirty, this is how you do it, this is what I do when yeah. things aren't working. And so I love that. I love that about you. Yes, and even in my reflections, I, I usually think of it and say, well, you know what, I could have picked this vocabulary to use in this case because so many other things came out. You know, when, right. cause you, you know, you go into a session and you, you think of words that you can use in a session, but then so many other things come up, and that's something right. that you can note for future years. Exactly. And that's what being a good therapist is all about, is being able to say, I could have done this better, I could have done this better, next time I'll try this, next time I'm going to do this. If I ever get a kid that's like this again, this is where I'm going to start rather than what we did. And so, again, I think yeah. um, that that's what makes all of us really good clinicians is when we're constantly evaluating not only the kids but ourselves and really yeah. looking at how how we can do things differently. Okay, so my little guy, I told you at the point that I talked to you, I think he was doing, I think I was about to add a third Big Mac switch to see if he could really handle that one more piece of visual information. And let me just say, my little guy, Uh, has been to see the ophthalmologist, but we don't really have great information about his vision. We know that he has some right field neglect because that's pretty obvious when you're working with him, and if something is too far right, he he doesn't even really know that it's there. So we've done a lot. I've done a lot with working with his switches so that we're putting them over there, especially his favorite thing, his most preferred object so that he can look for it a little bit. And he's gotten a lot better just with that environmental, um, I don't want to call it modification, it's kind of an environmental challenge for him to look to the right and find all of his things. So he's giving three switches quite well. And then I talked to you about that, and you said, why don't you bump him up to a go-talker? And I didn't really know what a go-talker was. I'd used some other systems with some other children, but, again, my experience with AAC is so limited beyond those first little Big Mac switches or, you know, big step, little step switches. I didn't know what that was. And why don't you talk about what a go-talker is, Sharika, and then I'm going to tell you where this little guy is. Well, there's the the go-talk, which is is another step-up for kids that are progressing well, and they come in different types. So you have... Um, the ones with the GoTalk 4, which have four cells mm-hmm. instead of the Big Mac that would have just one for you to press. Um, right. This one has four within the same device, and you re- can record your messages. And that's a really good one that you can have your songs or you can discriminate um, be- 
breaks discriminate among a bunch of other things within the same device. And you can move yeah. up as they advance. You move up to a nine. You can move up to uh, I think it's a twenty. And you keep going yeah. according to the level the child's progressing at. Um, or as they can start to go through, and they can use like maybe a twenty to tell a whole story. You know, and right. it advances like how a child's language level advances, and they get more words. Um, you get more um, cells or spaces on the go talk to incorporate that. So there's I that like way, it. Sorry, there's also the quick talker. Go ahead, I'm sorry. Sorry, I was just saying there's also the quick talker, which is another one which is similar to the go talk that I like. Go ahead. I'm going to write that down because I haven't looked at those. Well, I got a go talk for Andrew, and his grandmother and I really lamented one whole session about whether he was going to be able to do it or not and whether we should order the four or the nine. And I, you know, this is a family with some resources, but not a ton of extra money sitting around. I mean, they've really talked about buying him an iPad. And my concern with Andrew using an iPad, he does use an iPad some in his OT sessions, but he's a swatter. And so especially with an iPad that she said, and I have not been to OT with him, but Grandma reported, all he seems to me to do is hit the screen and that his OT wasn't really using a a structured situation as we're using in therapy where he has to pick something to get what he wants versus something that he doesn't want. So there's really no incorrect or undesirable response there. So Grandma said, you know, I just don't want to spend $600 on an iPad for him if I don't feel like it'll be very therapeutic. What do you think? And that's a question that I pose to you. So, Sharika, why don't you talk a little bit about when you would use an iPad for a kid and when you wouldn't think it's a good idea? Um, And this is a conversation that came up with um, other therapists up to this weekend again. Because the iPad is really good because you have such a wide variety of things. Right. And you have so many apps out there for, for little ones for communication. But what right. I find is that those that have motor difficulties have right. difficulty using because it's one big screen and they can swipe and fast right. and it can, it can go off the screen really easily. Whereas with the like the Gold Talk, as you see, you have the different cells and you have to push your hand right. outside and touch. And it makes it easier to get that, you know, that this is exactly what you want. Whereas with a child with motor difficulties and don't have, uh, that doesn't have that fine motor you know, distinction. Right. And that they and would touch one thing and stimulate five different things, you know. Exactly. And that's what's going on with my little guy. He really can't, his right hand, he is starting to use his right hand a little bit. You know, as luck would have it, his, his CVA is on the left side. You know, where his language center is. But of course, that means he has difficulty using the right side of his body. And he has more difficulty with his right arm, right hand than he even does with his right leg. And so he, he's used his left hand. And even with his left hand, his motor skills aren't great. He still doesn't have a great point or a great pincer grasp uh, because of the cerebral palsy. So with his left hand, you know, it's just very gross movements. And and frankly, at five, compared to how he looked at two, that's a, he has made light years in progress because he's even yeah. able to do 
a little bit of that. I mean, as a two-year-old, he could he could activate the Big Mac switch, but cognitively at that point, he was still in that first phase of we were just reinforcing anything so that he would try to um, make a request or generate a response or something. So now his his motor skills are better, but they're not to the point that he's even really using a point. Until we started with the Big Mac switches, now he's not consistent with pointing, but his accuracy has improved just with those being highly motivated in that continued practice. So it is getting better, but not to the point that he can reliably swipe on an iPad with one finger. It is kind of his whole hand. And so that's when you think that's that's the kind of kid who's still with an iPad who's swatting that you would say you need to back up and use a different device. Yeah, I would say so. There are some therapists which which would tell you differently. Um, Who would tell you differently? Sorry. And they would have I'm sure there's some new advancements in technology that can have something to put over the iPad to help with that. But I, I unfortunately, am not, still not that technologically advanced. But for me, it's, it is a difficulty that I have. And it is a, a difficulty that I've um, talked to other therapists about that they're experiencing the same thing. So I find yeah. that the iPad works really well with those that are, you know, really just have nonverbal difficulty and they're just really sharp with everything else and touching and pointing have a really good point and everything but with the other little one it's it's difficult okay so his grandmother and I decided and I decided look I'm going to buy this first because even if it doesn't work for him then I'm going to have it forever and I'll have it here in my office and blah 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 and let's get him successful before we have this family invest any more of their uh, hard-earned money. And so I ordered, and again, we spent a whole session talking about, are we going to get the GoTalk 4 or go ahead and get the GoTalk 9? What will we do? Well, I went ahead and got the 9 because I really think cognitively we're going to be able to move him up to this. And I was worried about him visually. So I read and I really, you know, try to rationalize it out. And so I've just put four things on his GoTalk 9 and left the other spaces blank so that he's seeing the spaces are there, but it's not too visually overwhelming. And I put them on, I didn't put one in the right upper field because he doesn't ever really think, he didn't seem to get that at all. His right neglect is, is, he just couldn't do that. But I have them Mm -hmm. mostly, you know, two in the top, the top and the bottom on the left and then one kind of in the center and then one picture okay. below that. Our problem, I mean, do you think that's the right way to go? And then we'll just add yeah, pictures awesome. for various levels. Yeah. And, and <laughs> right. I, yeah. I won't challenge his motor plan too much with the GoTalk 9 because I did do a lot of kind of motor plan challenging about that. I mean, moving his Big Mac switches around and doing different things. So he had to really work motorically because I wanted to really see if he got that symbol discrimination piece. If he knew that he was pushing the switch for the pudding, that he absolutely meant pudding. And the other thing we use with him is he's SpongeBob crazy. So we use SpongeBob DVDs, which I have rarely done with any kid. But boy, will he work for to push whatever I've given him so that he can watch, you know, 30 seconds or a minute of his SpongeBob DVD. And so he's done great with that. 
but with the Botox, Sharika, here's my problem. <laughs> Sometimes he gets his fingers in the cell, you know, and he's not great with that pointing, but he still can't push it hard enough to consistently activate it. And I've just been helping him and still rewarding it because I don't want him to get discouraged because he is a little guy that his attention is so short. And if he gets even a little bit frustrated, you've lost him. And he's also a kid that can't really uh, belt in a seat. He'll sort of sit in a chair if it's flat on the floor. But if you put even a tray over him, his sole focus in life becomes getting the tray off and he becomes pretty aggressive and so I don't even use any kind of seating with him because he gets too mad. Okay. So we put the go talk on the floor, and he does he does great with that until he gets, again, frustrated that he's not getting what he wants fast enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I'm trying to get him to really try again to, for that strength piece, he's not really able to activate the button. So what could you do about that? Um, that means that that's probably not the device for him, so he might need to get um, formally assessed by a te- an assistive technology person to find that what device would be perfect for him to push. But another thing is that he's actually getting his hand in the cell. So, so we're just being rewarded anyway. Yeah. Yep, yep, because with the communication book, you don't have the voice output. They just touch it. Exactly, and I think that's what he'll use when he goes to kindergarten next year, Mm -hmm. and I'm going to be excited that he has more than, you know, last year when he left preschool, he was just doing the one switch for more. He wasn't really discriminating. Well, you know, they didn't know that he could discriminate between a couple of different things. So I think they're going to be super pleased with the progress that we've been able to make, Um, but I don't know that he'll necessarily have that speech-generating device, so it really won't matter. He'll just be using it like a picture book. But I just wondered if you had had that happen before, if there's a way to modify that or any trick or anything that you would recommend, other than we just reinforce it because he's obviously selecting the right one. He just doesn't have the motor strength. Yeah, it's just, it's not that he's not, he is choosing not to do it. I think he just doesn't no. have the motor strength to do it yet. And okay. I think that's something that the OT will also work on yeah. as well. So I would, um, in the meantime, I would just really motivate him for choosing the right cell. Because he is choosing, he is communicating. He's totally choosing. And it was so exciting to see because, again, I was worried about him visually and being able to do the smaller pictures because I always use larger pictures on the Big Mac and the cell and the yeah. go talk is a lot smaller. But he can do it. I mean, he's a kid that continues to amaze me session after session after session, and it's just been finding the right motivators for him too. And so we talked the last time we talked, you gave me some great, ideas about some different games to try and so I want you to share those great ideas again. Okay. Do you remember what those what? are, Sharika? Do you want me to kind some of, of listen <laughs> Now I remember the stop and go one, which is which is one of my favorite ones. Using stop and go. Those are nice early early words. Uh, yeah, they and what so symbols do you do? What symbols do you do for that, Sharika? Because I've been trying um, to use some different symbols with him, and I'm just going to have to train him on that because he doesn't really get – he only he only really understands when it's a picture of the actual object that he's using. Um, you know what I mean? Okay. It's a bit more abstract. It, it gets difficult. Right. 
Um, what I do is I use the board maker pictures, this stop sign okay. and then the gold sign. And I put them on a red background for stop and a green background for right. goal. Right. And I think what I need to do is pull back and use, I've got a red and a green. I've got those colors for the Big Mac switches. I think I'm going to pull back and really teach him that symbolically with the stop sign and with the go sign or whatever. We can do first with that because he didn't seem to understand that at all. But, but I think that's just a cognitive thing. He's just not that symbolic. Yeah, and, I think, and I think that comes with practice as well, going right. with a bunch of activities and him kind right. of making that, that association that when when I t- press this red one or I press this, this symbol, you know, he stops yeah. doing, she stops doing what, what I like. And yeah. when I press this one, we go again. Right. So, and we're going to do the sling, yeah. And you mm-hmm. suggest with the sling, we're going to do that. But the therapy ball, he's a little too wild for me on the therapy ball. And he still doesn't have great balance, and I do not want a head injury in my office. So we are going to just stick with the sling. But, you know, yep. he also has hypotherapy. And his PT and I are friends, and that is certainly something once I really get him going, that's an activity I'm going to pass off to hypotherapy too. I think that he'll, yeah, that'll be a really functional activity for him to use that with. And I think it'll even be more meaningful for him on the horse because he's ridden the horse for three years. And so um, I'm excited about that. That's, I thought that was a, yeah. a great idea. Now, you gave I'm me a cute so song to use on the ball, on the bouncy ball. So sing that for us. <laughs> oh, dear. Put it on the spot. Yeah. Oh, my. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But I thought it was so cute. I thought it was so cute. And again, I've tried it with Andrew, but he's, you know, his his he's all over the place motor wise. And again, he's he's big for me. He's a five year old, and so I feel like, oh, you know, I don't want him bouncing off the ball. But your little song was cute, and I wrote little notes. Get Sharika to sing that song again, so I can write down exactly how she sings it. Yes. Well, it's it's a bouncy bouncy song. I can sing it for you. Um, don't judge my voice. Um, it goes bouncy, 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 bouncy. Now we stop. Wait, wait. Ready, steady, go. That is very cute, and I think now I've got it because last time I just wrote it down, I didn't exactly write your tune, but it's that. Uh, what tune is that? The Frere Jockis tune? Is that is that? Am I thinking about that right? Or are you sleeping? Are you sleeping? Yeah. It's cute. It's some, it's some of those tunes. Yeah, really cute. Okay, and I forgot about the way way. Yeah, that's the fun part. That is the fun part, and it really teaches that anticipation piece. And yep. we already use the words wait, wait, wait when he's playing with a flat ball which is a toy that I love, and so I think that will be a great way for me to help generalize that vocabulary too so that he can use that with another activity. So I love that. I'm not going to do it on the ball. Maybe I'll just do it on my lap or some other surface. Yeah, that's a cute one. Okay, the other thing that you suggested uh, was like the Pop Goes the Weasel song. How would you use that little song? Yep, for filling and the big mat, the any AAC device is really, really good to fill in sounds, especially sounds that have a really nice anticipation moment. So pop goes the weasel, and that's the part that they can fill in. Because we, 
you know, we want children to take turns in their in the songs and in their play. So that's a really good way for a child to have his or her turn um, when they fill in that pop part. Or there's another one, we all fall and then they fill in that down. Just yeah. To, you know, give them that control. You know, um, and I think it's so important. Okay, and I'm going to come back to this thought. Go ahead and tell me your other one, and then I'm going to come back to that, my thought about that. All right. Um, another one would be to fill in, in stories, so something like Brown Bear, Brown Bear, um, where you can fill in the what do you see, and then put in the ICA, and then they can fill in the color and the the animal that they see. So you can have that real nice back and forth shared reading experience. Right, and I think that this is what I was going to say. I think it's so important to use other pragmatic functions with your AAC devices rather than just requesting. And I think we all start with requesting, and I I think that's good because it demonstrates that communicative intent. And a lot of our little guys who need AAC, they don't have that communicative intent piece as formally established as we need it to be. And so... That's why sometimes they're not even really purposefully crying yet. They're just still at that um, almost infancy stage where everything is reflexive and nothing is that purposeful yet. And so I think requests are still great for beginning AAC, but I really like moving on so that they're responding and then the feeling in the story or a predictable piece of the song or, or a book is, uh, I think, a great way to use that. The other thing that you really talked to me about is helping him learn how to label. And so, again, another pragmatic function with his AAC. And I'll just tell you, he is not doing great with that at all. He really wants it to be about requesting. And because that's all he's used. I mean, he really as soon as as soon as he if I say, you know, let's find this. I have it. I have it. Show me. Show me which one is it. He's not really getting that yet. And so, what strategies would you use to help him learn how to label? My thing would be just to find ways to make it as exciting as possible and just give really big rewards for it. So I think I had given you the flashlight idea before. Mm-hmm. And we haven't used that um, yet, but we're going to. It's still in my little, we're going to do this activity when I can get an organized yeah. space. Yeah, but talk about that because I think it's a great one. And he's a real, he's a pretty visual kid. I mean, he he's a kid who's looking for the light or looking for the ceiling fan in your, if you're in a room. And so that certainly tells us that he's interested in visual information. So walk us through that cute activity. Oh, yes. Um, that was where we have a flashlight where we spot it on different different things around the room. I don't know how dark mm-hmm. you can get your room, but you can spot it around different things around the room. And then, yeah. yeah, use your device. To, to show what you found. So it's like, oh, mini treasure hunt using the flashlight. And children like spotting the flashlights and things and, and lighting it up. So that's a good one to use. But hmm, in terms of something that really, really gets them motivated, you really have to wow. brainstorm and find something that's really, really fun. Right. And I have a big SpongeBob doll. I think that I'm mm. going to use for him since he's yeah. crazy about SpongeBob, and I have not. I fa- I dug in a storage room, or actually Macy did for me, 
and found it, and I've not used that with him yet, but I want to save it for that kind of activity because I think he will really, really respond to that. So picking motivators. Yeah. Um, and, and even if you have a frog I'm sorry, say that one again. Do you have frog in a box? Oh, yes, I do. I use that all the time. <laughs> so even and if he, you can take out the frog yeah. and put... Well, you can have the frogs. You can have a whole bunch of different things that can I pop do. out of the box. And when it pops out, we can label what came out of the box. And it's like, oh, my, it's a... And then yeah. it can and be a duck or a monkey or whatever it is that comes out right. of the box. That's a great idea. He, I don't know if I mentioned this, but I have a really hard time, because of his motor skills, getting him interested in toys. Because on some level, oh, yeah. I think he knows I can't do that and so I'm not going to try and that's really really hard for me um, I've found a couple things that he does like he's a little bit interested in frog in the box but not as much as I thought and I have put a Spongebob in there and he likes Mickey Mouse so we're putting some okay. different things in there besides just generic animals because he's more of a character mm-hmm. kid so I'm yeah. finding some so that's animals. yeah mm-hmm. and I'm I love try that you're tailoring it those things that he really likes because that's the most important thing in building AAC, finding things that the child can relate to, that the child really likes and that will keep them motivated. Well, and I think that's our biggest challenge with any child and it certainly is with Andrew because, again, because he knows there are things that he can't do and he is not really interested in trying them. And he's a kid, too, for me, that's had, you know, he's five now. So he's had lots and lots and lots of really negative experiences with therapy. And so for me, it's really about making it positive and fun so that he doesn't get into the, I'm just going to fight you the whole hour mode, mm-hmm. which which he's had, you know, a couple of years of that with different therapists. So I'm really trying to do everything I can to keep it fun and exciting and um, use only things that he really, really likes so that he's super motivated. Okay. He does like books, but he likes books, but only, and again, he's the kind of kid that only if he's in complete control of the book. If I'm taking the book from him, you know, he gets wigged out by that. So we're having to... Mm really work on that piece, too. And he does that with everybody, not just with me. And, you know, and we've got some behavioral pieces coming in here, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, I can I can yep. work on that, um, you know, along with other things that we're doing. And, I mean, you can throw that into AAC as well. You can say you can have something for, I want to see the book now, or, you know, yeah. it's my turn now, or, oh, I didn't like that, or something like that. Because that's, that's something that he needs language for. Yeah, and that's a great idea. And I put an all-done button on his go talk, and we worked on that a lot last session with him te- using that to tell me all done. And that's just going to take – that's the first time we've ever done that. It's just going to take some practice. I think that he's been trying to sign all done for a while, though, because he's pretty good at pushing away. And then you will notice that he's even, – he, even that right hand that he can't use very much, he is trying to flap that, and I think a lot of – I think his other therapists really thought that was arm flapping, and to me it looks like purposeful communication, like I am done with you. And so we're trying to use that and shape that into a sign for that's enough, all done, I've had it. But I have added that button, but I'll add an it's my turn um, button to the top. And the Go Talk is, the Go Talk even, well, the Go Talk 9 
has the three buttons at the top that stay the same. Yeah. So yeah. I've got all done on there, and I could have my turn on there. And I, um, what else would you suggest I put in that other slot? Um, something, another thing to protest, like no or or I don't like it. Depends on on what what you really like or what's right. really really important for him. Usually, put the most important ones up at the top. Um, yeah, I usually put greetings as well because. Um, I like to add the hello song to most of my to all of my sessions, so that's one I usually have at the top. The hello. That's good for greeting. So that's a good one, and I've got that other spot left, so that's what I'm going to there. That's a great idea. All right, you gave me a really cute idea with the parachute. Let's talk about parachute games. And I think these you can use for any kid, whether you're doing AAC or not. It's always fun. So tell me your ideas for your parachute games. Well, my favorite one is Shake, Shake, Shake. Uh Um, Shaking parachute. And then when I was choosing my, my targets, I was thinking of all the different words that we usually say and all the different things you can do with the parachute game. So it can go up, it can go down, um, it can go fast, or it can go slow. So that's when you get to a little bit of a higher level. Um, you can do right. the same stuff and with the parachute. Um, so you tailor it to the level that, that the child is at. Um, another one that I didn't remember to tell you is using the parachute to hide so you can ask, um, to play a peekaboo game, so the child pushes a button to go, where are you? And then you come out from there, so you make a really nice game. And so he's asking a question with that within the context of a game. I love it. So another pragmatic function. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's cute. And you sang a little song about the bunny when you were telling me that you put a little oh, a little bunny toy. So sing that song. <laughs> I am really on the spot for this one today. Um, But these were your great ideas, and that's what I want to share on the show. And that's what I think therapists get the most from is just they'll say, you know, what can make this more fun for my little guy or the little girl I'm working with to want to do it? And it's these cute little routines. They may know, well, let's do the parachute, but it's when you add all those cute verbal routines that go with it that make it really, really exciting. So this is one of my favorite ones because they put the bunny in the middle and the bunny's sleeping in the middle. I saw this one on YouTube somewhere. And you think you're very, very quiet and you go, shh. And that's even one that you can put in on, on the Big Mac because it doesn't have to be a real word. It can be, you know, one of those performative um, where you go, shh, saying it's mm-hmm. time to sleep and see the little bunny sleeping past noon. Won't we wake in with a He's so still. Is he ill? And then you listen to the bell, listen to the bell, and that's when you wait for the bell and you hear ding a ling a ling. So that's when you start to shake the parachute and make the bunny go up and down. You go, hop, 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 little bunny, hop, hop. And that's another one you can put in on the big map for the hop. Okay. Well, when I say big map, I mean whatever device you use. Um, so you can have hop, 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 little bunny, hop, 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 and make it happen. It's so much fun. I think that's a cute one, and I think that's one that he'll really like. And I and I think the parachute, he could really do that. And because he's so limited motorically, that would be an activity that I think he would try because he could have some success with that. Yeah, definitely. But, 
I think that's a great one. Now, you said you is that on a YouTube video, Sharika? Do you have any idea where you found that? Do you think if I could, what what do you think my search query would be on YouTube to find um, that video? Um, the song of it is, I think, it's probably just um, you wouldn't get the parachute part of it, but it is probably Hot Little Bunny. Hot Little Bunny. Okay. I hope people are writing this down besides me. Speech therapy gold. <laughs> That's yeah, great so you'll thing. find a rhyme there. Okay, great. But I usually just make them up as I go along because I've, I've done hot little froggy, hot little doggy. Yeah, me too. And whatever character, whatever animal the kid likes, we change it to that. Exactly. You don't have to stay with the bunny. Yeah, that sounds great. That's and I also told you one about Play-Doh. You did? Yes. So you can have your your visuals, um, your symbols mm-hmm. for roll, for cut, 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 cut. Um, you can make it long. But one that I really, really love and the kids really love is when I put it in their hands and they push the button to go squeeze and I do a really nice deep pressure squeeze. That's really yeah. good for those that you know have a sensory issues and need that deep pressure input, and they love it. They and totally that's one of the issues they request so much more. Um, and Andrew really likes for for us to kiss his hands, so I know he's mm-hmm. going to love the Play-Doh thing. The thing. I think I told you that I'm a little bit hesitant to do Play-Doh with him because he's so mouthy and because he aspirates solids. Yeah. And he, he aspirated gravel and mulch from the preschool through the spring. So he has had really awful experiences with that. Um so I'm gonna I'm gonna have to save that play doh for when I'm gonna be a li- when I feel a little more safe about him um not being able to get it before get it to his little mouth before I can keep it. Yeah. Um, so that he's not doing that. But I love using play doh and squeeze and I think that deep pressure component Again, it doesn't matter what kind of kid you're seeing. They nearly all respond positively um, to that deep pressure. And that's a great word, too. Squeeze, especially for our little guys who are talking who need practice with that new vowel sound. So I think that's a keeper. I think it's a great one. And I love that you gave me some ideas about using yum. And, again, that's another commenting piece, and that's one that I had forgotten about, but I'm seeing it as I look at our notes from our previous conversation. And that's why I'm going to put as one of his um, responses on his food page because I think he'll really get into that and think that's funny. Great, because I know we use food a lot for requesting, especially when we're starting use of AAC devices, and that's the same time that we can store in throwing some labeling because uh, that's really, you know, an expression here you can go commenting. Um, or that yeah. tastes good, that right commenting. Um, yeah. mm, that tastes good or mm, I like that. And right. I would also put for yuck because you want to say yeah. yuck too if there's something that you don't like and fish crackers are yucky. Yeah, he totally I think could get that and that'll be another way for me to get something beyond requesting with him, you know, which I'm really struggling with. So I think those will be great. And he has such good nonverbal ways to communicate those messages that I think it will be great to layer it with his device 
that will give him a new way to express that. And I forgot about it, so I'm so glad I, I got these notes out today to to look at and remind myself. And I know it's all like yum, too. Uh, Roy wrote tummy, and we build body, and we work on body parts as well. And you can put that to add it in. You go yummy, yummy in my tummy, yummy, yum in my tummy, yummy, yummy in my tummy, yum, 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 yum. That's really cute. Yeah, that's where we we brought the tummy, or we tickle the tummy for that one too. That would be great. And we are still working on body parts with him because uh, they haven't gotten very far. We were working on body parts when I left him at two and a half and still okay. need to work on the five. So that, that'll that be a great way to um, incorporate that. That's a cute one. And he really is doing a vocalization for mm-mm-mm, and it's not in direct imitation of me yet, but I think I can really shape it. And again, this is a little guy that's nonverbal, so any kind of purposeful vocalization that we can work in to his session will be great. So great. You also talked about working on yes no questions and we're not there yet with Andrew. He's just he's not at that level. But talk about for kids who are at that level the kinds of things that you use to work on yes no. What did I say about that? I just have yes no questions. I don't like it or I like it that we could use those things. And I think the reason that you said that is I said to you, I'm having, I've got to get him to do some things besides requesting. And you said, well, do you think he could do yes, no? And I said, I don't know yet, but he, he's not he's not there cognitively or language-wise. He's just not there yet. Mm-hmm. So if, if, when you've worked, have you worked on that with kids? Do you have some good examples or yeah. am I putting you too much on the spot? I, no, I have, no, I have worked on that. Um, I was just trying to remember what context, because yes, no, right. can go up, up quite a hierarchy. Sure. Um, I I use it sometimes to say, do you want this? Um, so that would be the protesting or, or in the sense requesting. So um, do right. you want the shoe and say no? Yeah. Especially if you know what they want and being really, right. really silly. So you give them, do you want the fish crackers? So they can say, no, right. I don't want that. Um, do you want the orange? You know, keep going on. And right. then um, so you find something that you really, really want. Do you want SpongeBob? Yes. Um, and for him, I, I, I think that I tried it. I didn't I didn't bring it back to that level, but that's exactly what I need to do. And he has a great, again, nonverbal response for no. But the fish crackers, he either knocks it out of my hand and looks away <laughs> or he does a really protruded pout where he's, Got his head down. He looks like he's really sad, like he's, you know, just shattered his heart. But it's very communicative. I mean, everybody that knows him gets that, that he's that he's sad with that. So I need to back up and use yes, no, like that, which is what I normally do with kids who are talking. But somehow you add that device in and you we've got to remember our same strategies, our same little games, our same activities work. We just have to put AAC in there. Exactly. Um, another one for yes, no, is that, that really nice where's pot book. Um, so okay. where's pot, where can he be? Is he under the stairs? And then you can get that, no, it's a bear. No, it's a turtle. So that's a good one to build a yes and no. Or you can I go really through the voice. 
Yeah, and I have a spot this that I haven't used in a long time, but I'm going to pull that out because he might like that. So that's, that's okay. a good suggestion for that activity. All right, we have two more minutes, Sharika. Anything, any other little game that we haven't talked about uh, that you think our listeners would really need to incorporate into their sessions? Mr. Potato Head, which is one of my favorites, where you can choose your body parts, especially if you have um, a child that's using something like the Go Top 4 or the Go Top 9, where you can sit on a hat, you can sit on... Yeah. Um, eyes, all those body parts, and and go from there. So they're requesting which ones to put on. They can tell you which ones to take off, and you have a really nice interactive activity as well. I think that's a great idea. Great, great, And then for the older ones, you can do, like, one that I did recently, a goldfish game, where you can have that. I thought you were about that. Yeah, yeah. And that was such a fun one. Describe that game. Uh, what we were working on was school the cow because that's what something that the teacher had as a goal, a goal for them uh-huh. to work on, and school for cats. So I have two little ones; they're nonverbal in the same class. So I mm-hmm. I put them together and they used the, the quick talker device to ask to play a goldfish game. So they would have a, um, their set and they would look in their set and ask the same, um, ask the matching picture so do you have a chair or do you have a pencil case and if they didn't have it in their hand they would say goldfish and then they would have to pick it up from the pack and try to make a match so it was so good to see them using the device to communicate with each other and that is a great idea yeah and how old are those kids Sharika and they are older they're eight years old yeah yeah but that's good and I, I like that we're thinking a little bit beyond what we would do for our kids in early intervention because we do have some kids that become pretty proficient with AAC and they kind of max out your normal routines. And so you have to really think, what would be my next step? What would, you know, what are some other games that I could adapt that would that would work for that? So I hope eventually I can get Andrew to the point where we're doing a game like Go Fish. We're not there yet. Yeah, that's correct. But that'll be a long-term goal. All right. Tell us what you're up to with Speak Easy Magazine. How's that going? When's your new edition going to be out? Easy Speak. Did I say it wrong? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's fine. Um, Coming out soon, I I can't give a date yet because I'm still, still, still waiting on on some articles, which are very, very important and I want to release. Um, so it's yeah. a slow but gradual process. It's late, I know, but um, I want to be good, so I'm not going to. I totally understand that, and that's what happens with me. With every book and with every new DVD, it's usually three to six months beyond my absolute <laughs> outer limit of the time that I think it will take to get done. So I totally get yeah. that. And I know it's going to be fabulous. And I'm sorry I messed up the name. I'm sorry about that. Oh, no, so, that's but, fine. That's fine. Yeah, and tell us I how, mean, what? Tell, I'm sorry. Go, go ahead. On. Tell listeners how they can subscribe to that or how they can read your previous editions while they're waiting on the new one. While they're waiting patiently, um, they can go to easyspeakmag.com. That's the best way to find us. And they can subscribe. They can find all the two other issues on it. But it's coming soon. I'm working on it diligently. But then when you run a private practice and everything else there, some things have to get pushed 
back a little bit. I totally know. And you were in Trinidad this past weekend. I saw on your page. So you were a world traveler. <laughs> I am. It was so, so good to meet with, with speech therapists over there because I went in to look at a program over there. Um, they have a lovely early intervention program for children with autism, the Right Start program. And uh-huh. it was so good to go in and see the, see them in action and see their amazing teachers just implementing some great things for the children there. That is great. Don't you get inspired when you see other people that are so great I at their do. jobs? I do, too. I love it. I love it. And that's why I love podcasts and blogs and just getting new ideas from other people because it does make you stretch and just, Make you think, what kids am I seeing right now that this would be good for? How can I write about this so other therapists can hear about it? And it certainly, for me, is always, um, I'm always looking for podcast topics. So anything like that to me is just so inspiring. But thank you, thank you, thank you for being on the show today and sharing all of those great ideas. And don't forget, everyone, it's practical. AAC, and that's two A's in practical, practicalaac.org. If you're on Facebook, you can uh, look at their page. And the thing you told me about them is so true. They post a lot every single day. So if you're looking to increase your knowledge and increase your um, your clinical skill level with AAC, as I was for my little guy that I'm working with, a great, great, great resource. And I'm so thankful that you shared that with me and with us today. Anytime. It's always great to be here. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. We'll have to schedule another topic in the next coming month. Love having you. Yes, thank you. All right. That's all for today's show. Thanks so much, everybody. Hi, Sharika. Thank you. Bye. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.